0: Um, If you want a a title for my message, um, it's the the silent killer. The silent killer. Sometime in 2014, I think it was. um, I was rushing off to a meeting, um, and a whole uh, just just another hectic day, and I rushed into the lounge. here in church, and um, Doc was sitting with my wife, Shola, um, and he was doing her medicals, and he was taking her her blood pressure, because the truth is that Doc is our resident doctor. (laughs) Even even since he stopped practicing as a consultant, he's my first go-to for anything medical in our family, because he's a brilliant doctor um that's the truth um anyway so as i rushed in as i rushed in they said to me "Shala said to me oh no doc said to me oh we should take your blood pressure and they laughed and they said and i i said to them they said i think it was my wife who said that his blood pressure will be as low as you can imagine because he doesn't do stress I don't do anxiety. I don't do worry. In the last 30 or 40 years, I can remember maybe two times that I have been worried. Um, Maybe two. Because I just don't do worry. You know, people say they can't sleep because they were anxious about anything. I sleep. They say they can't eat because they were troubled. When there's trouble, I I I eat the best. So I just don't do that. That's, it's just, I'm just blessed in that regard. So we, they laughed about it. And then Shola said, the only time his blood pressure might rise is when he's watching Chelsea. Yeah? That, that's about the only time when those guys are not doing what they should do on the field. But, but, but Doc, as I came out, said, no, let him, do my, let him take my blood pressure. He had all the gadgets out. I said, Doc, I'm rushing off. I'm rushing off. He says, no, let him just take it. Won't take, it won't take long. And so, I sat down reluctantly, and they told me, be still, all that stuff, and I just wanted to get out of there. I thought, you know, this is a waste of time. He took the first reading, and he said, let me do a second one. Then he said, let me do a third one. And then I noticed that Doc is one of those people that you can't read him if, you want, if he doesn't want you to read him, but even with Doc, I noticed that there's something that's not quite right. He took the fourth one, and he said to me, you need to go to a hospital now. I said, what do you mean by that? He said, you need to go straight to a hospital. I said, but I have this meeting. He said, forget the meeting. You need to go straight to a doctor, no, to a hospital now. I said, what's going on? He said to me, in the way he calls me, Oga, okay? he said, Oga, okay you should not be walking around with what I'm reading. I said, really? He said, yes. He said, straight to a hospital. Anyway, cut a long story short, went. They took my blood pressure again. It was ridiculously high. And they instantly put me on medication. Um, And so since then, 2014, every day I wake up, I pop two or three tablets to keep my blood pressure normal they said to me i said but i don't i don't stress i don't worry i don't i'm never anxious about anything it's just not my lifestyle actually enjoy life in the midst of challenges and when i face challenges somehow i don't stress in the middle of the challenges it's just a, a grace god has given me and they said to me they asked for my family history i said oh yeah my father had it oh yeah that's what killed my mother Oh, yeah, my sisters all have it. Well, I think bar one. And I just went on and on. They said, well, it's obvious it's genetics. It's genetics. You, you just have high blood pressure. You know, they say high blood pressure is the silent killer. Because a lot of times there are no symptoms until it, is, it has entered crisis levels. Because there was I walking around thinking everything was okay. Perfectly normal. I felt okay, but unknown to me, something was killing me inside. And if not that, God had arranged that situation. I, I I probably would have just fallen down somewhere. And then, of course, we'll be binding the enemy. And blaming Satan. Did you know that one in four adults in the UK has high blood pressure? One, two, three, four. One of the four has high blood pressure. One, two, three, four. One of the four has high blood pressure. One, two, three, four. One of the four has high blood pressure. Did you know that? And they say you're at risk of high blood pressure if you are overweight. If you eat too much salt... And not enough fruit and vegetables, if you don't do enough exercise, if you drink too much coffee or caffeine based drinks, if you drink too much alcohol, if you smoke, if you don't get much sleep or you have disturbed sleep, so you stay awake all night, you're doing vigils. When you get to heaven, God will tell you that you should have been more, wiser. Those vigils is what has brought you here. If you are over 65, if you have relatives who have high blood pressure, if you are black African or black Caribbean descent, just black African or black Caribbean descent, More likely than not. And then it says if you live in a deprived area. And the challenge with high blood pressure is that this silent killer is what it causes to happen. Is the damage it does internally to arteries and vessels And then it's how it leads to the possibility of a heart attack or or some other heart disease. A stroke, that's what my mother died of. And she died of a stroke because she wasn't taking her medication. My father has high blood pressure, but my father loves life too much. He's 90, but he wants to live to 190. He takes his medication for the last 50 years religiously. My mother was careless. She'd forget for five days, take it one day, forget for seven days, and she got a stroke as a result of high blood pressure. Kidney disease, vascular dementia, the list goes on and on. This silent killer. But at some point where it has crossed a line, even though they say there are no symptoms, at some point... They are symptoms, but by then, it's, you're in the dangerous territory where you start having nosebleeds or a blurred vision or shortness of breath or chest pain or dizziness or headaches. Just incessant headaches. You can't explain it. But I wanted to tell you about another silent killer. When this silent killer gets to the dangerous stage, it also has symptoms. The one I've told you is natural. And I've told you the antidote for it. They give you two or three pills. It doesn't affect your faith. I'm a man of faith. I hope you don't think I'm a man of faith. You won't be sitting here. if Faith is what what birthed this church. Faith. I believed God with all these pastors. We prayed, we fasted, we believed God. So a little seed, this is what it had. So I have faith. So don't think that this man of God says he has high blood pressure. He doesn't have faith. Just go and check your, your own. Because <laughs> you know, sometimes we, 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 we bring foolishness into Christianity. But that's natural. There's a spiritual dimension A spiritual silent killer. And when it gets to the dangerous stage, it has symptoms. In the early stages, you won't notice that anything is wrong. But something is wrong. In the same way that someone can be walking around with high blood pressure and think nothing is wrong. But something is wrong internally. I'll give you some of the symptoms of this silent killer. Where a person's walk with God has become routine and mundane. The person's walk with God is lifeless. If the person is truthful, the person is going through motions. The person knows in their head, I should be at church. And they come to church. But there's no life in it. There's no fire in it. The person has lost the passion that they had, the zeal that they had for the things of God, the excitement for the things of God. The person no longer takes steps of faith. And the interesting thing is that with such a a person, they can remember when it wasn't so. When they would wake up in the morning excited because it was Sunday. Where they would be rushing to church. But now, they wake up and they know they have to go. Or they watch it online now. They fry an egg, get some coffee. Get a nice slice of toast. And then they sit down. And while worship is going on, they crunch on the toast. I love you, Lord. Then, while Doc is preaching and about to make a point, that's when the yolk of the egg bursts. So they concentrate on the yolk of the egg instead of the point Doc is making. They give their offerings. And maybe they are now beginning to question this whole issue of the tithe, the cost of living crisis. It's this tithe. God can't really mean it. It's the law, it's not grace. When the dispensation of grace, and then when service finishes, they lazily get up to go and wash the plate. They're out on Saturday night. Before, they would have been saying, I've got to get to bed early because I have to be in church on time. But now, on Saturday night, they're out. They're playing Afrobeat, and they're there, moving to Afrobeat. Bend down low. And the next morning they wake up and they're I'm tired, I'll I'll do it online. The silent killer. They no longer take steps of faith. All their faith stories are in the past. When I did. When I believed God. When I stood. When I had nothing but God. They are now at a place where their intellect rules. Doesn't make sense. Be wise. Don't be fanatical. Don't be excessive, they tell themselves. Their minds and their senses have taken over decision making. These are similar symptoms to chest pain, dizziness, nose bleeding. They're anxious and worried about the things in life and about life itself. They're Christians, but they're so anxious, so worried. They're worried about everything, worried about the economy, worried about cost of living, worried about tomorrow, worried about their security, worried about their health, anxious about their children. They get a call at 11 p.m. Their heart beats until they answer the call. And the person is just called to say hello to you. They say, hmm. <laughs> they've dropped off with regard to their service in the house of the Lord. It's almost like they feel like, Mark, they've grown up. Now, I used to be in the, I used to be in the choir. I used to be in hospitality. I was a marshal. In those days, that's how they say it. As if it's a badge of honor to wear that when you grow up in age, you stop serving God or you serve God less. As if it is something that age means you hand over to younger people. They need to see the saints of old who served God to 80 and 90 and went to heaven serving God. But the symptom... They've moved on from God's service. In the early days, Mark, we saw them all around. Bustling, ushers in the choir, moving instruments around, arriving early, excited, serving with with the young people, going to teaching kids first. We saw them everywhere, but now we see them on ceremonial locations. Or we see them in church. Now they are backbenchers in church. They've moved on from serving God. They don't give any more of their time, their talent, and their treasure. They become sensible. They've actually become like a lot of our parents, those of us who grew up in a religious background. You know, our parents went to orthodox churches on Sunday and they went there very resplendent. You had to go to the church. But their hearts, for a lot of them, was not in, the, in God. They had a relationship with the church. But as we found out, they didn't have a relationship with God. You struggle, such people struggle with the spiritual disciplines They don't read their Bible. It's a symptom. The psalmist says the Word of God was sweeter than honey to him. But when we struggle to read the Bible, when the only Bible we hear is when we come to church on Sunday, so if we miss Sunday, no Bible for that week. When we don't understand that running around chasing all kinds of vagrants who say they they see they see things to hear from God is madness. When God has spoken to you in a book and given you the book and then giving you Himself to interpret what He has said to you in the book, why do you need another person to tell you what God has said when God has said it directly to you? Why do you need another person? People will drive drive seventy miles. They say it's the latest man of God. I say what's so, nat- what's so latest about him? They say, Pastor, he sees. I say, are you blind? What do you need somebody to see for you for? Are you are you an Old Testament Christian? They say yes. I say you to hear. Yeah. Nine times he will hear right. One major time he will hear wrong, and that's the disaster of your life. So I don't want anybody to hear for me. Let me hear for myself. And since God has made it easy. By not just speaking, he has written everything he wants to tell me in a book and giving me the author of the book to live within me on 24-7 call. Anytime I read the book and I don't understand what he's saying, I ask the person who wrote the book, what are you people saying? And he tells me, this is what we're saying. I don't need anybody else. Every other person who's genuine is an addition to confirm what the book has already told me. Why are Christians deceived? Because they never read the book. So they go to all these places and hear vagrants and charlatans and hoodlums and gangsters. There's no, there's no qualification for stand, doing what I'm doing. No. No qualification. We don't have a, we don't have a body that vets us. No. Any... Vagrant can decide he wants to do what I'm doing. Just get a little place, put a pulpit, and then you can go and listen to the vagrant. He will tell you lies. He will collect your money. violate you. And simply because you don't know how to test the spirit, because you haven't read the book. You're struggling with your worship. Ray is singing, but you can't wait for Ray to finish. The words don't mean anything. These are symptoms. Your prayer life is dead. It's dull. It's routine. It's a struggle. These are symptoms. You're not excited about telling others about your faith. That's a basic If something was not wrong, they would be restraining you not to talk everywhere about your faith. But when was the last time you told someone about your faith? They don't even know where you work, that you're a Christian. They don't know what you do on Sunday. They'll be shocked if you told them you were a Christian. There's no excitement The early church, they couldn't stop them. They they arrested them. They beat them up and said, you mustn't talk about this, Jesus. What did they do? They went back outside and they couldn't help themselves. They started telling everybody about Jesus. You don't share testimonies. You don't share your testimony. You don't have a burden for those who don't yet know Christ. There's something that's dramatically wrong. It's one of two things. It's either we don't believe the Bible or something has gone wrong in a deep place. Because if we believe the Bible, that there is heaven and hell, and that to get to heaven, we have to have a relationship with Christ, then somebody should not be sleeping well in prayer because I can't afford for my brother, my sister, my friend, my boss to end up in a place that was not designed for them. But when, 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 when we're relaxed about it, and a parent is aging, but we're relaxed about it, we barely remember to pray. And it's one of the easiest prayers to pray, by the way, because God himself does not want anybody to end up there. But we rarely pray it. We have a best friend. When was the last time you prayed for your best friend who doesn't yet know the Lord and Savior that you know? There's something wrong. When you struggle with fear, fear of the future, fear of sickness, fear of failure, the list is endless. Endless there's something that's wrong. When you're not content with life, you want to be like the Joneses. You're constantly striving. But what you're striving for is is madness. You spend money that is not your own to buy things that you don't need, to impress people who don't care, The more you buy, the less satisfied you are. You open your closet, it's full. So much so it has become a, a death ha- a hazard, a death threat. The clothes will soon fall on, on you and just kill, suffocate somebody. Suitcases, suitcases, suitcases. We are keeping things that we haven't used, marking in nine years. You haven't used it in nine years, nine years. We say we are sentimentally attached to it. The house is a junkyard because of sentiment. A death trap because of sentiment. We are acquiring more and more and more. We buy the latest car. In two years, they bring the latest version. We are just depressed when we drive past the latest version. Something has gone wrong somewhere. Godliness with contentment is an alien phrase. Our young children are so driven by social media... They're aspiring for things that are so unrealistic. It, it's an unrealistic li- lifestyle. They want to be as beautiful as, as Jennifer Lopez. They want to have the house Kardashian has. They want to have the money that somebody has. And they're driving themselves. They're having mental breakdowns because they're driving themselves. They are getting jobs where they're slaves in the jobs. And there's no joy in life. They are working from morning till night, morning till night, to buy a new Mercedes car. They get the car and their friend... a Porsche. They are depressed. They get the Porsche. Somebody bought a Rolls Royce. They are sad. They buy a Rolls Royce. Somebody's father has a plane. They are depressed. They want to be beautiful. As beautiful as all the people they see on social media. It's madness. They propose to each other and it's a whole production They won't come to church. They won't come to church and help us with the production in church. But they'll do production of proposal—a whole production, the whole proposal. My God, it's a production. They plan it, they plot it. They haven't gone to marriage counseling to make sure that the marriage stands, but they've gone to production meeting to make sure that the that the proposal gets so many likes. Madness! 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 The whole place has gone mad. So a young 25-year-old guy has, has gone through four jobs, five jobs at 25. He where are you rushing to? He said, I have to make it. I say, at 25, what are you making? <laughs> You've done five jobs at 25. What are you chasing? Why weren't you in church? I, I had to go to work. Don't you tell them in work that you're a Christian? It's a sickness. You find loving others challenging. just can't love people. Be truthful to yourself. This auntie is a problem. This brother has a problem. This cousin is a problem. You quarreled with that friend. You're not close to this one. You said Jesus' house is not a friendly church. No. Make yourself friendly. We'll come to you. When we came to you, we ran away because you're a problem. You are the problem of Jesus' house. That's why it's not a friendly church. I have no no problem with friends. No, I have no problem with friends. There are too many. Ask my wife. I'm saying, how can I manage all these friendships? But it's because I'm a friendly person. You be a friendly person. You step out and love. Step out and think about someone. Be sacrificial. Considerate. Give it up for someone. You don't have joy the characteristic of us as christians they used to call us happy clappy people that's what they used to call us it was a derogatory term but one i received with joy now let me be happy clappy with cost of living crisis happy clappy inflation happy clappy nhs challenges happy clappy but look around the church today we don't find happy clappy people anymore the joy of the Lord is our strength. That's who we were. People were attracted by it. Why are you always smiling? Why do you always have a positive outlook? But now we've succumbed to the sickness of the world. You're overcome and overwhelmed by life circumstances. That's not the portion of a Christian. Paul was knocked down. He said, but we're not finished. You struggle to obey the Word of God. It's a struggle. You just struggle. You promise God, you fail. You promise God, you fail. It's a pattern. Even you are used to the pattern. As you're promising Him, you're already planning the repentance because you know failure is what, what, what attends your footstep in that regard. So what is this silent killer? These are symptoms. And be truthful to yourself. In the same way that Doc and the doctors here will tell you, if your nose is bleeding, if you're you're short of breath, if you're having incessant headaches, if you're feeling dizzy, or any of those other symptoms, let's check your blood pressure. Because the silent killer might have entered dangerous territory. If you have any of these symptoms I've described, it's a possibility that the silent killer has actually entered the dangerous territory. What has happened? The central processing system has been attacked by a virus. The command center of a human being the soul of the human being, where the mind, the will, and the intellect is, has been corrupted by a virus. In Proverbs, the fourth chapter, and the 23rd verse, and if the multimedia team will help me, so, so we put all these versions on the screen. The King James, New King James Version, Proverbs 4, verse 23 says, Keep your heart with all diligence. For out of it spring the issues of life. Amen? Keep your heart with all diligence. For out of it spring the issues of life. The message translation would say it this way. Keep vigilant watch over your heart. That's where life starts. The New Living Translation would say it this way. Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the cause of life. The Passion Translation would put it this way. So above all, guard the affections of your heart, for they affect all that you are. Pay attention to the welfare of your innermost being, for from there flows the wellspring of life. So if I am the enemy, and my ministry is clear, made clear by Jesus, John 10 verse 10, the thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. I would go straight for the heart. And what confuses us is that when we say the heart, we think of the flutters we get in our heart. The way we feel for someone. And we think that's the heart. No. When the Bible talks about the heart, it's talking about the command structure. The central processing system of a human being. It's really the soul, the, what the, the will, the emotions, and the intellect. That's what the Bible is talking about. That place that determines who we are. So if I was Satan, the enemy, I would introduce a sickness or a virus into the heart. Because I know that if I can touch the heart, corrupt the heart, I can incapacitate the heart, I can cause the heart to malfunction. I have destroyed that person's life. For the Bible makes clear to us that it's where the issues of life flow from. And the picture I have is of a well where the issues of life flow from. And as long as the well is protected with diligence and care, the water that flows out is fresh. But if an adversary can sow Something into the waters that will muddy the waters and pollute the waters and corrupt the waters. The waters, the issues that come out, are corrupted. The cause of a person's life, to use one translation, is affected adversely. The welfare of the person's innermost being affects the person's welfare outside. And that's why the Bible talks about different types of hearts. The Bible talks about a hard heart. Talks about a stubborn heart. Talks about an unbelieving heart. Talks about a fearful heart. The Bible talks about a corrupt heart. And the list goes on and on. Because for some of us, Our hearts or parts of our hearts are hardened. Hardened. A lot of us will say, and I hope all of us here will say, Jesus is my Savior. But not all of us can say truthfully that Jesus is my Lord in every area. There are parts of our hearts where we've told Jesus, I will be the Lord here. Some of our hearts are stubborn. We won't bend to the Spirit of God. We stand strong against the Spirit of God. We're just stubborn. We're ready with an argument for everything. Come at 7, why? Let's have the meeting at 10, why? Can we go in this direction? No. Just stubborn. And a lot of times you ask, okay, what's the reason? I just want to know why you chose 10. So you don't even have an issue with 10. You just, you just want to know why I chose it. Not, that it. not that it's a problem for you. No, it's not a problem for me. But why did you choose it? Just stubborn. Some of our hearts are unbelieving. This is the paradox of 21st century Christianity. The unbelieving believer. And it's interesting that where there's no belief, there's not much that can happen. We saw that in Jesus' life. He gets to his hometown. They take him for granted. Of course they would take him for granted. They knew him as a kid, the carpenter's son who learned carpentry. They knew when he must have, might have made mistakes in building a table and the table wasn't as perfect. They just knew him as a regular person. Jesus too is now doing miracles. And so that unbelief shut down the flow of God. There's so much unbelief in the church today. So much of it. The old Christians will not recognize us as Christians. The intellect, the mind is working. They say sacrificial offering. They say, why must it be sacrificial? That's what God said. They say, well, let's pray for one hour. Why do we have to pray for one hour? Doesn't God hear the prayer of ten minutes? it's crazy. So much so that now we want to mess up the word of God. They say male and female, he made them. They say no, it cannot be male and female. To be sophisticated, it must be none. See, which one is none? Just let me follow this Bible. I'm not fighting anybody. But it's difficult for me to read the Bible and follow another way. Male and female, he made them. If you like none, that's okay. No problem. I respect your position. I genuinely love you. But don't confuse me. I'm just trying to follow this Bible and walk on this narrow road. Don't confuse me. And don't bring political correctness to come and bear on me. To confuse me. I really get Paul as Paul stood up against the sexual culture of those days. Because now they are trying to shape my, 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 my belief in sexuality. I just follow the Bible. I, I, I leave me. I just want to follow this God. And I'm not, I'm not discriminating. I'm not against. I'm not afraid. I'm not a phobic of anything. I'm not. I'm just following this Bible as, as the Bible explains it to me. Can you just let me try and walk this narrow road? I'm 58. They, they will soon call me home. I've, I've lived longer than I can live. I just want to run the last, leg, the last few legs of this race and go home. Don't, don't come and put pressure on me to take your position. I'm not saying you should take my own position. I'm just saying this is the Bible. I'm following the Bible. Give me a break. And there's a sophisticated falling away in the church in trying to please people. A sophisticated falling away. The state of the church must grieve God. And in our church is a sophisticated falling away. Some of you, I know where you started. I know the zeal. I know the passion. I know what you were all doing Now, I don't see you apart from seeing you in the congregation. And some of you, I don't see you anymore because you're at home. You rarely come to to church. How can you forsake community? The one thing that keeps us sane is community. Virtual community is not community. It's not community. We wonder why our children can't cope mentally. They can't cope mentally because they've been deprived of community. Community is strength. But when they come home, they are playing with somebody who's who's on a screen. What life lessons do you learn? <laughs> I became tough because when I got home from school, I dropped my school bag, got the bicycle, and went out into the neighborhood. The neighborhood bully would try and bully me. Sometimes I ran. After a while, I thought, you know what? I can't run for the rest of my life. I have to fight this, face this neighborhood bully. That's why I learned to stand up to people. I climbed trees, fell, broke, an, broke a leg, hid it from my parents. I learned about pain. Not shooting somebody in a game. You say that's pain. No. Fall off a tree and scratch your knee. That's pain. You shoot. Virtual. Virtual. You say, I've I've won. Then you think he's like, no, you have won nothing. You're sitting in your house. You're drinking Kool-Aid. You're wearing a baseball cap. That's not life. Life is out on the road, learning to build relationships with people who are not like you. That's life. So you come to church. You meet people. Church is a mixed multitude. You meet people who are not like you. You say, wow, that was a strange person. Yes. It's a hospital full of sick people, all of us sick. Hallelujah. Next week, we'll talk about the surgery, the the medicine for the virus. How many want to hear about the medicine for the virus? Praise God. Let's bow our heads. Father, we just want to thank you and bless you. You don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You don't have a relationship with him. You will find out that he is the antidote to any of the things I have described. Without him, it's a lost cause. So there might be someone here, someone online, who doesn't know Jesus as their Lord and Saviour. If you open up your heart and receive him, he will come in. It's as simple as that. So, someone says, How do I do that? How do I receive him? How do I start a relationship with him? By inviting him in. How do I invite him in? By the confession of your mouth. So someone says, can I do that now? It would be my privilege to come alongside you as you do. If you want to, he's knocking on the door of your heart. Open that door by saying this prayer with me. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your son, Jesus. Today I receive him into my heart. As my Lord and Savior. I give my life to him. And I ask that you will give me the grace to live a life that is pleasing to him. I make a commitment this morning to turn away from anything that doesn't please him as I commit to living a life of obedience to him thank you for welcoming me into your family I'll never forget today because I am born again today into your family I am now a child of yours thank you father father in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. I if you said that prayer, go on. Yes, you can celebrate. That's good. That that's what we usually do. Before the virus got us, when people join our family, we're excited. Hallelujah.